On today's Locked On Jayhawks, should Grady Dick return to Kansas for his sophomore season? You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be talking about the decision upcoming for Grady Dick. Should he come back? Should he go pro? What will he most likely do? We'll get to all that on today's uh, show, which is kind of the, uh, I guess, the clash episode. Clash is the, the band who does, should I stay or should I go now? Well, that's what we're doing for Grady Dick on uh, this episode of the show. I will not be singing for the rest of the episode. You can guarantee that. Um, today's episode, though, is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Let's start here. Evaluating the decision for Grady Dick. Let's look at reasons why he would stay in the draft. And just off the top here, if I'm being clear, I've, I, I guess if I'm sticking to the number that I've kind of put since the offseason began about a week and a half ago, I put a number that 10% chance Grady Dick returns, 90% chance that he goes pro. Over the course of, of the last week and a half, two weeks, with Rock Chalk Sports Talk, we've talked to different guests, media people around KU, and I actually was on the lower end of things. Now, I did talk to one media person who, I don't know if this person wants to be saying their name on this or not, but they said it's 0% chance. Um, I talked to, I think we had Matt Tate on, and, and he said 25 to 30% chance. Kevin Flaherty said around, uh, I think it was like a 12.5% chance. Uh, my co-host Nick Springer said it was like 15% chance. I think Shreyas of the Kansas City Star said 17.5%. So, um kind of all over the board, but everyone you ask has been more on the idea that he does go pro. And obviously this is kind of a, it's yes or no, you know what I mean? So is there a difference between saying 0% versus 5%? Like either way he's going or he's not, you know what I mean? It's not like a partial thing. Like he can't partially go pro and play five games for KU. Um, but that's just kind of my read on it. And honestly, sometimes I feel like the 10% is too high to be completely honest. And to be clear, I'm normally the person who, like last year with Christian Brown, when there were some people being like, oh, he could come back. He could be the star of the show next year. And it was like, he's not coming back. He's going to be a first round pick. He is not coming back. I'm usually on the side of these guys are probably not coming back. So don't get your hopes up. And I'm not quite saying get your hopes up here for Grady Dick. But I do think there's a little bit more to the case of him coming back than there have been in a lot of those past guys, which, again, I'm still 90%. He probably goes pro. But let's get into that decision. Here's the reasons that he stay. Um, let's look at his, his stock right now. You look at a bunch of different websites, a bunch of different mock drafts, just to try to get some group think idea of where he's going to go. I know that's the be all end all, but there are certain mock drafts that I know they're, they're talking to executives and GMs and stuff like that, where they're getting a good idea of where these guys range is. Well, the athletic has a big board, top 100 big board. I really love, uh, and trust Sam Vecini's work. And, uh, he is number nine on the top 100. Now, they just released a mock draft as well, which is obviously different than the top 100, and that had him going number 11. The Ringer, big board, had him going or had him as the ninth-ranked player. ESPN's big board has him as the 11th-ranked player. NBA DraftNet had him going number 8 in their mock draft, and NBC Sports has him going number 9 in their latest mock draft. 
So pretty much everywhere you look, that that means it's it's between eight to eleven, but most consistently either nine or eleven are the two most common numbers there. Now the development argument is is the most interesting argument to me as as far as which way does it go in this because you will hear certain people saying, well, you could come back to school and develop a little bit more with less pressure on you. You can turn into being the guy at Kansas. And there are certain developmental things that come with that, both from a physical and mental level of the game, just learning to be the guy and, and having the pressure on you to perform night in, night out, I think could be very beneficial. But also you could make the argument that any type of development you do in college, why can't you just do that in the NBA? You know, in, in college, you're dealing with classes and, and certain limitations to the hours of time that you have to play basketball. When you're in the NBA, when you're playing professional basketball, that is your job. So now you have all the day in the world to work on all these different things. Maybe there are certain mental things you can't get to. Uh, maybe there are certain things that your NBA team wants you to focus on that maybe you get a chance to be a little more well-rounded in, in in certain areas that you'd have to focus on in college. It just kind of depends what team you go to and what they're asking you to do, which that you can't really know going into the draft because you don't know exactly who is going to draft you. But the development argument is interesting to me. And and I tend to lean to the idea that, yeah, of course, you're, you're going to be able to develop more and learn more in the NBA. But I think there are, which we'll get to that in our next segment, um, maybe certain things that you could question about here for would develop better with with Grady Dick and, and KU again though I don't really have the right answer to that um and I'm I, I don't know you're almost like guessing on on what exactly could be developed maybe next time we get to talk to KU head coach then uh we'll kind of discuss that um I I think the big reason why he would go pro though I mean obviously he had a great season it'd be unlikely he would go much higher. You just heard me list off all of those different drafts, spots, number nine, number 11, and stuff like that. This year is not a super deep draft. It's really good at the top. Victor Wembanyama is going to be this, like, possibly, I don't know, game-changing player. Scoot Henderson's really good. Brandon Miller, the Thompson twins are really good. Um, but it's it's not a super deep draft at all. You didn't have a ton of upperclassmen emerge, kind of like what Ochag Baji did last season. Uh, you don't have a ton of just crazy one-and-done talent this year. So if it's not a super deep draft or a great draft, is it really going to be easier in a future draft for you to get drafted this high? I don't know. Um, there'd also be a risk of injury or, you know, dropping a bit. What if you come back to school and your game doesn't get better? You just look like the same guy. Then all of a sudden, maybe you're just, okay, yeah, this guy is just a spot-up shooter. Maybe there's not more to him, and, and maybe he doesn't go that high. Maybe he does go around pick 20, 25 just for the shot. Or what if you do have a, a bad injury that – uh, hurts your draft stock. I will say um, to this notion, Aaron Neesmith went back to school to Vanderbilt after a solid freshman year, went back to school, and he did average like over 20 points per game, but it was a bad Vanderbilt team. Uh, he was a knockdown shooter, not much else. I think Grady has probably more to his game than Aaron Neesmith does. Uh, and Aaron Neesmith got injured. He only played 14 games in his sophomore season, but he still went pro afterwards, and he was the 14th overall pick in the draft. So you could say, well, if Grady Dick gets injured, yeah, but because he is this good and the track record's there, like he still would probably get drafted pretty high. Uh, but overall, the only way this is a different story to me um, about, you know, him staying versus going is if the draft stock falls a bit, because it's hard to see him going much higher than, say, pick nine. You don't often see guys who are second, third, fourth year players in college go pick five, six, or seven, right? And so for him, like, if you're going to be pick nine this year and coming back next year is the difference of you become 
being picked that really worth it to gain that one extra pick probably not but if there is the risk of where you could move up you know two three four five eight spots in the draft then that probably you know maybe not for everyone it's worth it but it could be worth it for a guy that could come back and, and make a bunch of nil money um so let's say he has like bad workouts or something like that or teams study the tape more and they're like well i don't know maybe he's more of in the 14 to 20 range than he is in that nine to 11 range. And then if that's the case and you could convince yourself that, yeah, coming back maybe next year, I could go in that seven to 11 range. Then maybe that starts to make a little bit more sense, but because we're not seeing that right now, where a lot of these places have him in that nine to 11 range, it's hard to see that happening. Basically meaning he would have to almost have some sort of flub in a pre-draft workout uh, to kind of drop the stock, or you just have to really think him coming back helps the development, which again, I don't know the answer to that. That's that old age old question. Where are you going to develop more? Or you'd have to really think that by coming back, he could go in that five to seven range to make that worth it, which we don't normally see, but I'll talk about this in the next segment. Next year's freshman class isn't supposed to be that special. Um, so any of these are possible, but they're also seemingly unlikely, which is why I have a 90% tag on him probably going pro. And as I've been talking through this, I almost want to raise it up to 95%. Uh, we're going to talk more about this decision and the case for him to possibly come back. What would go into that of why I have a 10% tag on that in just a second. But first, this little on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from money line to point spreads, which team will be cutting down the nets, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. One of the things I like, so UConn, if you think they're going to win the title like I do, they're like minus, I think, 110 right now. Uh, there's not great odds in it, but you can do a championship exacta. So if you think, if you're really confident Miami uh, or UConn's going to beat Miami, then you just try to figure out which one do you think is going to win the other game? Because they have this exacta bet. You can get who will be the two teams playing for the title. You can bet UConn versus San Diego State. And it's like plus 230 or UConn versus FAU at like plus 260. So if you're really confident UConn's going to beat Miami, you just got to figure out which one you're going to want on the other one. And taking that at plus 230 is going to be better odds than just picking San Diego State to win straight up against Florida Atlantic. So check that out on FanDuel. Don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, so here's the case by Grady Dick. I have it at a 10% chance that he could return and maybe not 0%. A reason why I'm doing this when I wouldn't have done this with, say, like Christian Brown last season. To begin with, this was the original plan. Now, now plans change, you know, things adjust, and we know things are fluid like that. But point being, this wasn't a kid who came to school at Kansas and immediately thought, yeah, I'm going to be out of here in six months. Sometimes kids come along and sometimes things work. Sometimes things don't for them. But if you have one foot out the door and then you have the season that you're expecting to have, you're definitely out the door. The original plan seemingly for Grady Dick comes probably two years at Kansas to take that other year. So your foot wasn't out the door to begin with. Also, next year's draft, because going back to why he would stay in the draft, how much can he really move up the draft boards? One positive for him, 
this incoming freshman class, the class of 2020, what would this be, 2023, is not supposed to be one of the better freshman classes. And unlike this year, like this past year wasn't a great freshman class when you look at a bunch of the guys who are going to be one and dones going into the draft, but there still were some pretty incredible talents, at least from the college level. Like a lot of the guys were just not playing in college. The Thompson twin, really, uh, Scoot Henderson been playing with G League Ignite for two years. Victor Weminyama is, you know, he he could change the the game in the NBA with a 7-4 center that can dribble, shoot, and, and all these things. Um, you don't really have those two guys at the top this next year, at least from what you're seeing right now. And the freshman class isn't supposed to be great. So would it be crazy? Like, what if Grady Dick came back, was a first-team All-American, expanded on his offensive game, and because the draft class actually is probably weaker next year, even though it's not a super deep draft class to begin with this year, maybe he could move up a few spots to make that a little bit more worth it. Um, and, and you might be wondering, what is the difference between going pick, say, pick 11 and pick 7? It, it doesn't sound like that much, but it really is if you think about it. So if you go pick seven in a draft, I'm just basing this off the rookie scale from this past year. The seventh pick in this past year's NBA draft um, got five million, a little over dollars in year one. The 11th pick in the draft got three point eight million dollars in year one. And then if you extrapolate that over the three years of the contract, you're earning about four more million dollars over three years being the seventh pick versus the 11th pick. Now, you might be saying. Well, at the end of the day, you're still making, you know, like 12 million versus like 16 million. Is that big of a difference? Um, no, not to like a normal Joe Schmo like me. But yeah, for somebody who is in the NBA and is making millions of dollars. Yeah. Ask anyone, would you rather four million more dollars or would you not? You know, would you rather make one million more per year or not? Right. You'd obviously rather have the money. And so then what the problem becomes is, OK, let's say you are pick 11, three point eight million dollars. That's tough to turn down in, in one year. You're going to make a lot of money with NIL, and that's another piece of this. The Grady Dick is about as marketable as anyone in the country with NIL money. Are you going to make that much? Probably not. The numbers I've heard around him are around like a million dollars that he's made this year. He comes back for another year. You're probably adding to that a little more because you're going to be one of the faces of college basketball. Maybe he could get up to $2 million. I guess, would it be crazy? Wasn't there rumors floated around that Oscar Shibwe made like four or five million? And if that's the case and he could make that, then it becomes a lot more realistic and that number I'd put on Grady Dick would rise because then you'd be making equal, if not at that point, maybe even more. But he's one of the few guys that can do that because for most people, even if they are projected first round picks and they come back, they might make a good chunk of change with NIL money, but they're not getting national brands. Grady Dick's gotten national brands from car companies to Adidas to all these like tire companies. He's done so much that he is so marketable that I think that does increase it to, to maybe help me get to, to 10% there. Um, so I think the money is part of it in that, you know, he's made a lot of money with NIL. He has that at least to kick back on in case there is any injury or anything weird like that, that he has made, you know, more than most people will ever make in their basketball careers playing to begin with. And because there is that difference, if he could move up to pick seven versus pick 11, for instance, um, then, then maybe it gives you a little bit of something to work with. Uh, the last part of this that you could add into is the development part. Back to that conversation. My one worry, and this depends on what team he goes to, because Again, with the development, you have more time. It is your job in the NBA. So why would you not develop more or at the same rate in the NBA than you would in the college game? Sometimes it's it's dependent on the kid. Some kids are better in a lower pressure environment where they can be coddled a little bit more at the college game. Some guys are better when they're off on their own in the NBA. So part of that is just person to person and player dependent. But another part of it is 
you know, sometimes you go to a bad organization. Sometimes you go to a good organization. You know, you go to the Spurs, you're probably like, okay, I'm going to develop well. You go to the Sacramento Kings, although Kings have been really good this year, but we've seen so many KU players um, not be able to get off the mat from the lack of development there, right? So you don't really know who you're going to get picked by going into the draft. That's part of the risk. But the other part of this is, what if you go to an NBA franchise that says, we think you're going to be a star and then you're developing everything versus what if you go to an NBA franchise who comes in, they draft you and they say, this is your role. You're a spot up shooter. We don't really want you, you know, working on like we want you working on your defensive game so you can be a three and D wing. We don't really care if you handle the ball. We don't really care if you drive and, and increase your all around offensive game. We just want you to be a three and D wing. And so from the development standpoint, the NBA team puts him in programs that are just centered on spot up shooting and defense. And if he wants to add to his complete game in that scenario, if that development track were set on, then he would be asked to do more from an all-around game at Kansas this year with, or next year with Bill Self. So there's the argument over the development. I, again, I, I tend to lean that you're probably going to learn more in the NBA, but I guess there is that little bit of a risk that you could convince yourself you come back, you improve your all-around game, you win Big 12 Player of the Year on a good Kansas team, you're, you're clearly the best shooter on a team that needs shooting. Uh, what if you're a first-team All-American? And what if you do go sixth or seventh in the draft, kind of similar to, I think, Ben McElmore went seventh to the Kings. Um, it was his first year of playing, but it was his second year in college. And that's certainly been a name that I've seen and said myself. I think you could compare Grady Dick to. So I don't think it's crazy as as crazy as maybe other guys that we've seen in the past about him coming back. That's why I do have a 10% tag on it. But clearly that means, you know, 90% of me is still assuming that he does go pro. All right, let's finish up with uh, the impact on he would have on KU if he goes or leaves here with Locked on Jayhawks. Let's start with him leaving, because that is kind of the assumption here. Grady Dick leaves. You're basically left with a big hole in the shooting category. KU is going to, and seems like they already are, targeting guys in the transfer portal who can add to their shooting and their scoring on the outside. Um, it obviously leaves more wing minutes. It, it leaves more wing bodies that, that you have to replace in the transfer portal without him. Um, it's pretty clear that, yeah, leave big shoes to fill if, if he leaves. If he comes back, though, if he comes back, because right now if he leaves, like they're, they're probably looking at being somewhere between like number eight and number 12 in the country in like preseason rankings right now, dependent on who they add in the transfer portal. If he comes back, you're probably looking at a top five team. And if you add some some good transfers in addition to him coming back, you might be looking at the number three team, top three team, in the country and you would be looking at a team that i think legitimately would be one of those top tier elite national title contenders because right now my biggest question if you have a lineup sounds like kj adams is going to play more for next year if you have a lineup with dewan harris kj adams and then a big man ernest Uze zuby edgefer leaves a lot to be desired from a shooting standpoint but now if you had a transfer who can shoot you have grady dick who at that point would be the best shooter in college basketball coming back all of a sudden your shooting woes are figured out your scoring woes are figured out you have more experience on the wing. You have a player who seems destined to break out in year two. Uh, like that would completely change everything for this team. And when I look at Grady Dick, he struggled at times defensively. I think there were some good things that probably went underrated for Grady Dick. I know Sam Vecini of The Athletic talked about this, that, yeah, there are certain things like maybe one-on-one -on -one or in uh, switches on, uh, you know, pick and roll like ball handlers or handoffs, like sometimes he would struggle. But overall, he was a pretty good team defender. He would read balls well. He would get good steals for you and stuff. Um, so he wasn't perfect there, but it wasn't for a lack of trying, which makes you think in another year, 
because he tries so hard on that end, he would be better as a defender. So if he comes back, it completely changes everything for this team and what they could possibly be next year and could be the difference between you being kind of what you were this year, which was like, yeah, they could win a title, but they're kind of probably on that second tier of teams on that list versus being on that top tier of teams. That could seriously be the difference of him coming back uh, versus leaving. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Give us a thumbs up if you could. helps us out. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at D Johnson Radio. You can find us wherever you find any of your podcasts also on youtube Good rest of your day see you later on rock truck sports talk monday through friday three to six on klw and lawrence this has been locked on jayhawks